0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And, uh, one of the themes of St. George's Day is um, is a spiritual warfare, and we've been having it with my microphone. So anyway, thank you for bearing with me, and thank you to those in the back for your patience. But today, uh, we do celebrate the Feast of St. George. Uh, He's the patron saint of a number of countries, including Christians in the Middle East, like Palestine, Lebanon, and Syria, but he's also the patron saint of England. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, St. George's originally wasn't named after that saint. When we were originally established as a chapel off of Trinity Wall Street, we were originally the chapel of King George II, However, um, after the Revolutionary War, that was horrible marketing. And so uh, we dropped king and added saint. But uh, when it comes to St. George, you get both the man and uh, the myth right there. You know, there he is slaying the dragon from the golden legend. And what I want to talk about a little bit today in light of our readings is the actual man, St. George, uh, through the lens of both St. Peter and St. Paul and what we have in common with St. George, St. Peter, and St. Paul, as we live our lives as saints in this current and present age. Now, St. Peter and St. George, and St. Paul for that matter, were all Christians who lived through a very intense persecution of the church. In our epistle reading, St. Peter writes to a beleaguered and persecuted community full of struggling saints not only under the persecution of their family and friends, because they've joined kind of and become a part of this interesting Jewish sect, but Nero, Emperor Nero, was beginning to double down on the persecution of the church. He blamed Christians for the woes of the empire. And so Peter writes this church, and he says, do not fear what they fear. Well, that's death. Don't be afraid of death. Death can shake all sorts of folks. Death can shake all sorts of folks. And the fact is is that there is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. And then he goes on to say, Do not be intimidated because the pressure was on to leave and abandon the Christian faith. Christianity just isn't working for me anymore. More on that in a minute. But he says, In your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Cling to Jesus, cling to the truth of this message. And here's the verse I want to highlight right now. Always be ready to make your defense. Now, the Greek word there for defense is apologia, which is where we get the word apologetics from. And it's not an apology, like, I'm really sorry, you know, sorry about Jesus, sorry about this Christian thing. No, what this is, an apologia is a legitimate, or in those days, a legal reason a legal reason for your faith. So, St. Peter says, always be ready to give a reason to anyone who demands from you an accounting of the hope that is in you. Yet, and here's where the church today can take a big lesson, do it with gentleness and reverence. So, now we come to St. George, and he becomes the lens by which we understand what St. Peter is writing here. St. George was most likely born in the late 3rd century uh, to a Christian family in what was called Cappadocia, which would be today modern-day Turkey. And George came from a very prominent military family. And he served as a member, he went through the ranks and served as a member of the Praetorian Guard. This was basically the emperor's inner circle. And the emperor at the time was Emperor Diocletian. Now what happened was that Diocletian, he secured the borders in the north of the Roman Empire against the barbarians and the Gauls. And then he had secured the border in the east against the Persians. And he said, now what the empire needs is a state religion. And that state religion will be me. And everybody will universally in this empire worship me as a god. This is what's going to make the empire strong. And what happened was is that this led to the expulsion and the execution of Roman Christians across the empire because there was no Lord. There was no Lord but Jesus. So the biography goes that Diocletian was actually an old friend of George's father and knew that they were a Christian family So we called George essentially into his office and said, listen, man, I will promise you wealth, land, and title if you will only pay homage to me. And George said, no, I can't do it. And then Diocletian said, listen, I'll promise you wealth, title, and and, uh, land. You can worship Jesus in your closet, but in public, you must worship me. Ultimately, St. George held true to the faith. To use the language of St. Peter, his defense before the crowd, his defense for not bowing to Diocletian before the rest of the Praetorian guard, was Jesus, by his resurrection from the dead, is the true Lord, and alone is worthy of worship, because he alone has demonstrated that he is a king of a kingdom without end. Well, after several attempts at his life, including being buried in Lyme, St. George was martyred in 303. And like a ripple effect, his martyrdom resting on the defense of his hope, his reason, his apology, it went out and resulted in the conversion of all these other people close to Diocletian, including his inner sorcerers and magicians and consequently their circles of influence were brought to the Christian faith as well. And this is my first point as we think about St. George and we look at the lens St. George through uh, the lens of St. Peter and St. Peter through St. George. This is my first point. St. George is what we would call a witness. Because the word Greek, the word witness in Greek is martyros, where we get the English word martyr from. Now here's the thing Not every Christian is called to be a witness or a martyr. However, every Christian, according to the Scriptures, is a saint. You are a saint. And because you are a saint, we are called to make a defense to anyone who demands it for the accounting of the hope that is in you. And doing it especially with gentleness and reverence. However, I think one of the big problems of Christianity in America today, one of the problems with the church today in both the left and the right, is that our defense, our reason for the hope within us, is that oftentimes it's only within us. It's only within us. Our hope is extremely subjective. We base everything on our feelings the gospel is more than a feeling, to quote, journey. I mean, hearing someone, I once heard someone say, we were at this uh, kind of a panel interfaith discussion, and somebody said, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian because Jesus works for me. And then everybody was like, yeah, you know, this religion works for me too. This works for me. And I used to be able to relate to that statement. However, no longer. But I used to relate to that statement because for a long time, that was my defense as well. Until, of course, Jesus no longer worked for me. In fact, my life got a lot harder. It became a total mess. I remember there was a moment and I was at the bottom. And I remember I called my priest growing up. I called called him and I said, you know, this Christian thing, it just doesn't work. It's not working for me to which there was this kind of long pause on the phone. And he said, it doesn't matter if it works for you. Is it true? Is the gospel true? And this becomes the question. And I would propose to you, but not here in this sermon, we'd be here all day. unequivocally yes. I mean, can you imagine... Just take a moment and picture it. There George is being martyred. How ridiculous it would have sounded before Diocletian. If Diocletian said, George, as he's laying there in a lime pit, you know, come on, just worship me. And Diocletian said, or George responded, well, you know, Christianity really works for me. Serious? Serious? I mean... It's true. It's true. Your defense for the hope that is in you is the same as it was for St. Peter, who was crucified upside down, and St. George, who was uh, martyred in a brutal way. And in the midst of the dark moments of your life, your hope is rooted in a moment in history. Jesus, by his resurrection from the dead, is the true Lord, and he alone is worthy of our worship because he alone has demonstrated that he is the king of a kingdom that is without end. Your confession is outside of you, whether it works for you or not. Your confession is the gospel. And St. Peter, he goes on to say, and this is how it ties into what we're about to do right now. St. Peter connects this objective confession to Noah's flood and baptism. Remember Noah's flood? This is where God used water to cleanse the earth of its wickedness. And Peter here connects it with baptism where he writes, And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you because it connects you to this objective reality where the blood of Jesus has cleansed you as well. Notice what he says, baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, that's subjective. Is this working for me? Well, sometimes if I look, it doesn't seem like it's working for me at all. Rather, it is an appeal, your baptism is an appeal to God that connects you to the cross By which God has declared you justified and righteous in his sight. In an objective moment in history. For a clean conscience. And this is my second point. Christian. It's more than a feeling. Baptized into Christ you are saints. And you're called to be ready to defend In the sense of offering the gospel, the objective hope, Jesus, by his resurrection from the dead, is the true Lord and has demonstrated that he is the king of a kingdom without end. And that objective truth, subjectively speaking, changes absolutely everything about your life. Namely, your eternal standing before God. And let me say to you, it is totally secure today. You have been transferred, as St. Paul says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you are no longer an enemy of God, but you are a saint. Now here's the thing. This is how it connects to St. Paul. You and I live in a time and in a culture that in many ways is super similar to what Paul encountered in Athens. Athens was kind of like a college town, and where he was there at the Areopagus, that was like the center of it. It would be kind of like hanging out at NYU. Um, You know what I mean? And uh, people are talking about all sorts of things, sociology, philosophy, religion. And we live, just like the Athenians felt, we live in a very skeptical age. An age where ideas both kind of fly around freely around the internet, and you can tap into whatever you like. And sadly today, this is the thing, I have a very arrogant coffee mug, it's not in line with what St. Peter says, but it says, do not, con- do not confuse your Google research for my theology degree. So anyway, um, but we live in an age where, where people have enough information to be extremely misinformed, to become extremely dangerous, and to be completely inoculated from the truth of the gospel. Because it's all there and it's brilliance and it's ignorance. Religion and all of its various flavors. You can find angry atheists, skeptical skeptics, really devout Christians. I always wait, though, when it comes to it. You know, all people all the time, they say, hey, Jake. You know, they, or like, for example, I'll be on an airplane. Or I'll be in, uh, somewhere in the, and people will say, hey, so what do you do? And I'll tell them, like, well, I'm a priest. I'm the rector of Calvary St. George's Church. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Well, here's what I think about God. And they begin to, like, tell me and tell me and tell me and tell me. And then I'm like, yeah, well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow. And then they never ask me what I think. (laughs) They never do. And then they're like, nice to meet you, Reverend. And then they leave. And I'm like, great. But I believe, you know, you have a relationship long enough with a person. Ultimately, people will ask you what you think. And every every once in a while, people will say, what do you think? And that's when I make my move, prompted by the Spirit. And that usually keeps the conversation in a spirit of gentleness and reverence. Because, you know, this is what I think. and So, and what I think is right. So, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) But make no doubt about it. Make no doubt about it. People are going to ask you, why? Why do you go to church? Why do you believe in God? Why do you worship Jesus? Why do you call yourself a Christian? And what does it all mean? Well, here's the freeing part about the gospel being outside of you, is that the truth is still the truth. The truth is still the truth, even while your life is a mess and Christianity isn't really working for you, or even whether people get this message, give this message the time of day or not. The truth is the truth. And our defense, when people ask you, why are you a Christian? Our defense, our answer to that question, is the same as it was for St. George's. Because Jesus by the resurrection from the dead is the true Lord and he alone is worthy of worship because he alone has demonstrated that he is a king of a kingdom without end. Our defense, our answer to the question is just as St. Peter stated. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. In order to bring you to God. Our defense our answer to that question is what we proclaim Sunday after Sunday here at Calvary St. George's. Because of Jesus, sinners like me stand totally forgiven and are declared to be children of God. Death is not the end of life, but in Christ is the beginning of eternal life. I'm a Christian because I enjoy my forgiveness. And this is my third point. Like Saint Peter, like Saint Paul, like Saint George, before us, our defense ultimately rests in nothing more than God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it does that because forgiveness ultimately means freedom. Freedom to fail, freedom to risk, freedom to worship, and freedom to share the gospel with whomever we encounter especially when they ask. Because what Jesus has done for you, he has done for the whole world without exception. So have no fear of them, as St. Peter says, nor be troubled, but sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that's in you. Enjoy your forgiveness in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org/give. Thank you for your support.